0: Four, three, two, one. Game Over. How's it going, everybody? It's Game Over Montreal. We were actually treated to a rare win tonight, and honestly, one of the most entertaining games that the Habs have played all season. I have a couple of hype guests for the show today. We've got Tara Sloan and Mike Fail, so I'm going to welcome them in right now. How's it going, everyone?
1: Good. Yeah, that was um it's it's always nicer to, to come on when things have gone well. So I'm grateful for tonight.
0: <laughs> I mean gone well for some of us, not so much for Mike. No, oh, no. No, it's okay. The first period was great. Uh the
2: last two periods were uh a little underwhelming and disappointing, but I hope
0: you're having a great evening, Andrew. Well, I mean I don't I don't really care about wins and losses anymore i mean even if i did at this point in the season i feel like i'd be desensitized uh it's been a bit of a rough one i mean hopefully we can continue to have some more entertaining games because i think this one at the very least no matter who you were cheering for this is a pretty fun game to watch because like the intensity was there especially from the second period on you had like good branson out there trying to kill people and then making big defensive mistakes. And uh, I, th- I thought the pace was really good all game long. I thought I was a little bit surprised at how sloppy the Flames looked in the neutral zone uh, in terms of, like, covering up passing lanes. It seemed like that was not their best game from what I've watched so far this year.
2: Yeah, I the first period was really great. Like, I really liked their forecheck. They were playing super aggressively. They were running, like, three forwards in every forecheck, and F3 was just going ham and then as the game went on they just couldn't break out they were getting passes picked they weren't connecting nothing really seemed to work I'm assuming that Daryl Sutter is probably gonna like threaten to put them on the farm or something after this game <laughs> and then good Branson, I mean it was like the worst game I've seen him play all season and he's been relatively passable for most of the year I think the more egregious work was kind of like Nikita Zadorov doing the Zadorov things that probably shouldn't be happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I, it's always, it's interesting for me cause I, I grew up, um, a Montreal fan. My family's from Montreal, but I spent five years in Calgary. So they, this is like, there's only like one or two times a year where I feel conflicted. And so, um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised to see a, a bit of a, a lackadaisical uh, flames team, obviously coming in, um, coming in hot and Montreal coming in not as hot. So, um, good it's downright dangerous, right? Like that, there were some scary stuff that, that cross check the slash. It just, uh, I don't, I don't like to see stuff like that. And it's usually stemming from something. So you're right. I think he's going to, he's going to be the one ending up in, uh, in Viking. <laughs> casually floor. just
2: yeah casually dismisses the next few games because he's out feeding the pigs or some sort of punishment but <laughs> he'll
1: be yeah he'll be bailing hay like no question
2: i'm glad I you mean, brought up the cross track though that witnessing that i it was just kind of like when it happened i, I kind of rolled my eyes really hard and was like not one not this like this is the last thing the team needs and then just it was absolutely unnecessary with you know with the type of game that they've been playing this season so hopefully this is the last time that we have to see something like that
0: Yeah, I find like that after the whistle stuff is a huge pet peeve of mine. And I know some people love it, especially in the playoffs. And it's kind of funny watching like Canadians fans in a way getting upset about that because last year in the playoffs, that was like the Sherrod Weber special was just like hammering people with cross checks. So it's like, eh, you don't really have a high horse to sit on with that one. (laughs) But at the same time, when it's a little guy like Gallagher that just gets destroyed and then you see like his head lands like a couple inches from the boards and you're like, You talk about the game being a game of inches during play. It is after the play, too. And that could have been rough.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be cracking down on it, but obviously it's still happening. I'm not sure what the the correct deterrent is in terms of uh, league and player safety, but that's the bottom line is there are things you can do to change the pace of the game. And there are things that are um, that just come as a result of pure aggression after the whistle. And, and the is it just has to be made unacceptable.
0: Yeah. Someone just pointed out in the YouTube chat that I have the score wrong. I have it as three, two. I forgot about the empty net goal, the empty net goals. They, they always get me on this show that, (laughs) uh, I have to like add the score manually on the streaming, like the platform thing. And I never remember to add the empty net goals. So four, two was the final score, not three to two, a big battle by Jake Evans at the end of the game, who's been great lately, uh, kind of funny the last game is like a couple minutes before he scored what will end up being the best goal of his entire career i tweeted like if he just had five percent more talent he'd be a really great player and then he pulls off a ridiculous move and he had another great game this one i, I guess i don't know if the broadcast was 100 percent correct i haven't checked but they were kept on mentioning that he was matched up against the flames top line and seemed to do an a pretty decent job of shutting them down
2: yeah, the top line looked really rough tonight. It was kind of a rare occurrence where you saw Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm not really accomplish anything. And I mean, it was bound to happen. I just wasn't expecting like a... I haven't looked over like the you know, matchups from this evening, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Jake Evans is going to spend the rest of the year proving you wrong and uh, making you regret <laughs> that 5% comment.
0: I mean, that, that'd be nice. I think the Canadians could use some sort of depth players jumping up and contributing more than they expected because this season has been tough. I mean, outside of Nick Suzuki offensively, like the whole team has been behind the eight ball.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, listen, nobody wants to see this team tank. I don't think any, any fans are in the, you know, fight for right for, for that reason. Um, but something's got to give, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Obviously people are calling for heads heads to roll. And I, I don't know what the production is going to be, but, but this certainly betrayed all the the stats moving into this in terms of uh, goals and power play goals. And so if, if they can keep this sort of spirited play up, um, it'll look a lot better.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of, this is the fifth game in a row where the Canadians, I know they've been up, outscored in a few ones really badly, but uh, the fifth game in a row they actually looked decent. And I say that I know a lot of people are still really upset about the way things have been going completely understandable and you should be upset. But compared to the beginning of the year where they were just getting absolutely blown out of the arena every night and seemed like they couldn't do anything once the, the score was like slightly against them, they haven't been collapsing. You know, uh, They haven't been slumping their shoulders on the bench as much. Tonight, after the Flames scored the to make it 2-1, it kind of looked like maybe that same familiar pattern would show up and the Canadiens would start uh, falling off. But they battled back in it, got some... Fortunate work on the power play there and a nice bank shot by Nick Suzuki. I thought that was pretty crazy that he tried the bank shot on Markstrom and he just like took it away from him. And it was like the next shift, he tried it again. (laughs) Little battle going on there.
2: I had to rewind it a couple times. I was a little overwhelmed when I saw it. You know, like, really? Nick Suzuki, you're gonna do that? You're gonna you're (laughs) gonna do us like that this evening. And then I watched the replay again and then again and again, and I'm just like, okay. I would give you $7 million a year if you could do that every game. Like if I was a GM in the NHL, I'd be like, you do that every game, $7 million. I mean, I would be bankrupt, but the fans would be leaving pretty happily. But uh, I wanted to say, uh, is Brendan Gallagher going bald? Because that bald spot looks exactly like mine was when I was younger. And uh, I noticed it and I was like, damn, if he goes bald, he's going to go insane. <laughs> and put up monster numbers down the stretch of his end of his career. Uh, but shout out to all those bald guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. I first noticed that when I saw Brennan Gallagher a couple years ago at Atwater Market, and he was going down the stairs, and I was going up, and two short guys passed each other and saw each other's thinning spots on the top. So uh, there was a, a nod of recognition of, yep, it's it's leaving. Take care of the last couple years you got it. It's hard out there,
2: man. Like. <laughs> You start losing it. You're worried about your confidence. Am I, am I doing everything right? Do I do the comb over? Like when I had hair and I was losing it, I had like the kind of like emo kind of thing going for a while. I was like, do I comb it over and just make it look a little bit better? And eventually you just kind of give up and <laughs> shave it. Um, but I would love to see more of it, more bald players in the NHL or like more comb overs, bring it back to like the 70s and the 80s, make us feel a little bit more confident about ourselves out there.
1: You mean yeah, he- when back in the '70s when players who were 25 looked like they were 45?
2: Oh yeah, I mean I went bald at 23, <laughs> so I'd love to see more of it.
1: I swear, yeah. I know, I know. It, isn't baldness, uh, isn't that sort of a matrilineal um, trait?
0: Oh yeah. I swear
1: to God, Brandon Gallagher's dad, I think, is is a shaved head guy.
0: Yes, he is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but there, I guess that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, no, my uh, my
2: uncle went bald at 18. I went bald at 21, 23-ish. Uh, I think my grandfather started losing his hair in like 30-something. So um, I, I think we need more investigative reporting on all the folks losing hair out there. More coverage <laughs> on that.
1: I feel like that's you.
2: I, it's going to happen. Scorch Stack is pivoting to hair care and like <laughs> beauty routines. Um, we're going to bring in everybody. We're going to get all the uh, experts out there, teach you how to, you know, Chrome your dome up, make it all nice and smooth, get some sponsorships <laughs> from, like, uh, Manscaped and things like that.
0: You got to, like, sell sponsorships, I like, on the know. boards, or on the ice, on on the dome. I would do it, 100%.
2: If, <laughs> uh, if I didn't have to go to work every day and uh, be on camera for all my bosses, you know, maybe get a little bit of uh, some tattoo action going up there.
0: <laughs> Just Budweiser across the side. Not the worst I, might be Al-
2: <laughs> <laughs> I might be an Alberta boy, but I'm not drinking bud. Uh, I'd probably get something like, uh, like old Milwaukee, something kind of trashy, but and, you know, you grow up in the sticks like that's what you expect from me.
1: What do the food bar guys drink? Uh, that. That's, that's the, a good question. The, oh my gosh. It's like green and red and white or green and red and white. Um, oh my God. Pilsner? Somebody, somebody pill. No, Pilsner? is it? Is it pill?
0: Yeah. It's, that's a very Saskatchewan drink, I find.
1: Okay. Well, the Fubar guy is that. So, yeah, it's, it's Alberta, but you're right.
0: For the record, Mike, to uh, boost your ego, we've got at least three comments already saying that you're a beautiful man.
2: Thank you. Ooh, uh, the I'll let my girlfriend who's sitting in the corner playing video games, let, let her know that uh, people are admiring me and uh, they'll
0: get her hyped up. Excellent. All right. Uh, so to pivot away from balding... <laughs> <laughs> uh somebody asked me heading into the stream here uh, one of the questions we got was how do i feel about ben charat co-leading the montreal canadians in goals and i'm known for being very hard on ben charat because throughout his career his on ice impact is not very good but i did say on the last stream that when ben charat plays to create offense he's a better player than when he tries to be the defensive guy, because he's not very good defensively. Just because he's big doesn't mean he's good. But when he pinches, that like, I think he's six foot four and he's huge and strong, teams just kind of flip out and don't know what to do. And when he goes to the net and kind of just sits there and the puck comes to him, he can fire some goals in. And he's proved it the last two games four goals on the season for Big Ben Sherrod.
1: Listen, some people need a bit of a flip mid-career, and maybe this is just a a new tactic that needs exploring. I saw you tweet that. He's he's better offensively than he is defensively. And whatever's working, you know, that's the way I see it.
0: Got to lean into it. Somebody's got to score on that team. That's right. Is he going to lead the Habs in scoring this year? Like,
2: prediction yes or no? I'm going to say no. no. (laughs) So I shouldn't bet all of my hard-earned money on Ben Sherat okay
0: i mean what what's what's the what's the odds on that because if you could put like five dollars on it and win like a thousand then you definitely do it because you never know I'm
2: gonna, i'll hit up uh dom lucision and find out if he's got any numbers on it and uh i'll put everything i have which is 35 dollars, <laughs> and
0: uh i'll make it a reality i mean maybe they'll do the old uh the brett burns thing and put him on wing for a season and he'll score 40 goals I'm fine with that. More positionless hockey. I think
2: that's the future of the game. Get guys like Ben Sherrod up there playing wherever they feel like, get them scoring. I, I feel like we're due for a renaissance of uh, kind of like depth players. that don't have a lot to offer, but outside of like at similar, like isolated aspects of their game, just like going off for a year and kind of breaking everything. We need like another like David Clarkson-esque kind of situation in the league. Maybe Ben Schrock could be that guy
0: that would be fun. I mean, I think the Canadians could use any positive story right now and not that they didn't do a lot of positive things tonight, but just overall on the season, they could use something positive to talk about because outside of Nick Suzuki, as I mentioned earlier, it's been kind of thin, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this game was probably the most entertaining game that they've played in this season. Not that they haven't had good games. They've had a few, but I think both teams were like fun to watch tonight. when the Calgary Flames this year, like let's talk about them for a little bit because I know based on the private data companies, they've gone from one of the worst transition teams in the league to like the number one best and w- I think we've talked about this before, Mike, but like Daryl Sutter, I know people think that he's like a super old school coach, and some of his approaches are old school, but in terms of like getting transition going, like he knows what he's doing.
2: It's really weird to experience. Like I'm still kind of awestruck at times, you know, we endured so many years of like Bob Hartley and then Glenn Galtzen didn't really get it done. And I really liked a lot of what he brought, but then, you know, there was the Bill Peters thing and then Jeff Ward for an intermission and it's cool. Like he's managing to get players that don't typically know how to break the puck out, like off the boards and out is probably like what a lot of guys are doing, like Eric Branson prior to being a Calgary flame. And they're actually getting, forwards in the center of the ice or like in the neutral zone to actually receive passes, or they're actually just carrying the puck out. And, um, we, we talked about it on the podcast the other day and, um, I've noticed it, especially like in penalty kill tracking, especially, um, they're a lot more confident playing like closer to the blue line and just being like, you know, screw it. We're not going to just dump the puck out. We'll carry it out and eat time off the clock. But at even strength in particular, you know, where most of the game is played and where, you know, the winds actually start to accumulate, um, they're maximizing guys who maybe aren't atypical puck movers or haven't had the best resumes over the last few years in doing it. And I really like it. I like the way that they're using essentially three to four players at a time to break out effectively and create these controlled entries and, and create off, you know, offensive zone time, whether or not that amounts to chances or shots or goals for that matter is, you know, dependent on the opposition or game state or whatever, but it's been really cool. Um, if it continues for the rest of the season uh, I'll be happy with whatever happens this season. Like um, I don't care about winning the Stanley cup at this point. I just want like a competitive team that does like all of the intricate, you know, essential aspects of the game that have been so far removed from this team for so many years, like uh, as a cornerstone moving forward. um, Not to say that a cup wouldn't be great, but it's just really cool to see.
1: I mean, I certainly have been, um, you know, one of those who is sort of critical of the NHL's habit of recycling coaches. Um, That being said, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I know Sutter well, but I certainly have had enough experience. I like him personally, but that doesn't mean that everybody likes him in the room. So um, to me, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see the flames uh, thriving under him. You know, I, I, I hope that whatever, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a Sutter style and we know that Daryl can be uh, has known to be harsh and he's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but I also hope that there's an evolution, you know, like I, I, obviously he's got the hockey and the X's and O's down pat. I always hope that, you know, as they um, give these coaches second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances, um, that they are also able to evolve with the game. And and so far with the Flames, it, it certainly looks that way. Because he wasn't even, I, I mean, from what he said, everybody says when they're out of the game that they really don't want to come back in. Um, but I don't think he needed this job. I think he just loves coaching.
2: I ask you a question because I came prepared because I've been wanting to act I, when Andrew mentioned that we were going to be on this together. I, I wanted to come prepared. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up the coaching, recycling. I was just kind of curious from your perspective in, in media and broadcasting. What do you think is going to where do you feel like the breaking of the cycle of recycling coaches effectively starts? Do you think it's more of a grassroots approach with finding different voices and different individuals to break through? Or do you think that there are people kind of already in the game that just haven't been given their opportunity?
1: I, th- I think it's going to be a combination, you know? Like, I, I just think, um, I mean, you have to give people shots, you know? And it, it, ultimately, I think that there are a lot of really capable uh, women in the game. There are, there are women coaching Daniel, the Danielle Goyets of the world. Uh, the Vicky sunoharas of the world. There are women coaching at super high levels in the women's game, but, but you know, there's that transition I think can be more seamless than um, the Cro-Mag fans were like, you didn't play men's hockey. So you don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. So, I mean, you know, I think it's like, you have, to, there has to be some intentionality about it. When you look at kind of how you're building your, your front office, you know, like, I think the Seattle Kraken is a good example, at least not necessarily from anything other than a scouting perspective on the hockey side, but at least, you know, they're starting from scratch in terms of building um, their executive team and they're intentional about it. They're intentional about creating a representative, um, you know, broadcast team. Um, Somebody has just got to say you know what like screw it like we are gonna give this give somebody a chance you know i mean leafs yeah kind of like it's not a huge risk bringing Haley wickenheiser into the fold i don't think um but there are there are lots of haley's like there are there are lots of like really insanely good women and um so but i also think like the pipeline has to exist you know like the pipeline has to start from somewhere and more women have to be, and girls have to be encouraged to play, coach, be in the game, officiate, all of the above. So all of these things have to happen concurrently. But ultimately, somebody has just got to kind of break the cycle and say like, you know what? I'm going to bring so-and-so and not just a video coach, but, you know, an assistant coach. And like, it just, the crack in the armor has to happen.
0: Yeah, it's got to happen at some point. Uh, there's a question in the YouTube stream comments here from Mike N. Anyone going to address Gallagher's upkick from his back at Goodbranson? I didn't see that on any of the replays. I wasn't looking for it either. But did either of you guys see Gallagher kick with his skates up at Goodbranson after he was knocked over?
1: Mm, I didn't catch that.
2: I, didn't I caught it and it came up in Discord, one of the Discord servers I'm part of. And there was a lot of people kind of a little concerned about it. Um, Hopefully it wasn't intentional and maybe it was just like a knee jerk reaction or anything like that, but it's dangerous. Um, Yeah. You don't want to see the last thing. Like
0: when was the last time we saw like a, a kicking suspension was like a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, even kicking, I feel like they have rarely punished that. The ones that I can think of is when guys like stomp, like uh, when Chris Simon stomped on somebody, Chris Pronger did it as well. What's with the Chris's? Very aggressive.
1: <laughs> Bad I mean, Chris's.
2: Yeah. Lots of, lots of means. I mean, I grew up with a lot of Chris's who were kind of bullies or kind of a little bit of a Dylan quick growing up. So maybe it's something in the name.
0: Yeah. I mean, my middle brother is named Chris and he's like the gentlest of the three. So I don't know something going on there though.
2: He's got a secret mean streak. You don't know about, he's just hiding it from you. <laughs> Doesn't want to break your heart.
0: Yeah. I, I did want to mention just while we have like the privilege of having Tara on because Obviously, it was like a pretty big decision this weekend by Sportsnet to delay hometown hockey in Sub- Sudbury, and I understand like it is the right thing to do, but it's got to be a little bit heartbreaking to to have one broadcast of the season lost. Uh,
1: you know, I think it was a wake up call as to how precarious a situation we're dealing with. You know, it felt really good and almost normal for the first four stops. Uh, obviously, we you know, we interact less. Ron and I can't really go into the crowd, maybe the way that we did, but the festival was going on, you know, we're able to shoot stories and it kind of felt like, Oh, okay. And then it was like, all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out. And I think it's, you know, as we see cases kind of uptick in Ontario and in other spots, you just realize like, okay, we're, we're still in this and we're still navigating it. So um, yeah, it sucks for the community. Like really, you know, we're, we're we're going to try to get to Sudbury sometime this season and, and try to figure that out to, to do it justice. So uh, yeah, I have an unexpected weekend at home.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess that's like the one positive from it. Right. I mean, and obviously making the right call from, from the sports and hometown hockey head honchos yeah. to, to not take the risk for both you guys and for the people coming into the, the broadcast. Has it, how has it felt comfortable doing the broadcasts like i know it's outside so it's obviously not as big of a risk factor but Mm. just compared to how much fun you guys so obviously had on those broadcasts before this stupid pandemic that we're still somehow dealing with like has it felt more like normal or is it still kind of feeling like have you felt that precarious nature of it before you had to cancel in sudbury
1: I mean, I have to say health and safety, you know, has been paramount and it's Rogers, right? So there's like a big health and safety team, everything, every decision is weighed very carefully. And so, um, I honestly, they've done it in such a way that it's ticketed times. You have to be vaxxed to come into the festival itself, but yeah, for sure. The interactions feel, you know, less immersive. Um, we have a mobile studio. And so we used to kind of be able to like, you know, bring our guests and their families on and say hi. And um, it's a closed set now, right? You have to, you actually have to be rapid tested before you come on to be a guest on the show. So it feels like a little bit more like we're in a fishbowl and uh, we can't, you know, say hi the way that we want to. But it, it has felt, I think, about as good as it possibly can given the circumstances. But I, I you know, I, I hope... I hope we don't have to cancel anymore. It is. um, I know what it means to people to have us there just because it's some like glimmer of, of normalcy. And so I really, I hope that continues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, like precarious, we should probably talk a little bit about the situation with Ottawa senators right now, Where I think a lot of people were surprised that game went forward. They've got nine people on COVID protocols now in Ottawa, They lost 2-0 to the Kings, which isn't really the story, but uh, it it seems like after a pretty decent start to the year, things are getting a little bit dicey around the NHL, and there's a few situations that uh, look like they could go south real quick, and as games start getting canceled, even the Olympics could be in doubt there. So I wonder if that's something that we should be paying a lot of attention to going forward.
2: So they, and then the Sens also lost Artem Zub, if I'm not mistaken, to an injury tonight. So it's like depleted, but I, I think that's an afterthought when it comes to the COVID situation. Um, I I don't know what it's like in Montreal in particular, uh, but I know like here in Edmonton, the new mayor just reinforced like the mask mandate and they're kind of moving forward with like some local policies to help with things. Because I think there was a concern at like the local level for hockey, not like NHL level or WHL level, but like kids playing because case numbers continue to be kind of suspect. Um, I it, it kind of floors me that um, there's still not kind of a little bit more rigidity to structuring COVID protocols to protect teams. Like the Penguins are still enduring a breakout or a situation right there, right? And now it's the Senators. And um, I'm dreading, like, it seems like every day you kind of log on to like Twitter or whatever it is to, with bated breath to be like, you cross your fingers you hope your favorite team or your favorite players aren't impacted or anything like that especially with like the long-term impacts of um a positive test or um the ability for it to spread so quickly even if everybody's vaccinated um uh, but i mean from a personal perspective i'm still scared as hell to leave my house Uh, i go as far as shoppers and i go home and that's pretty much about Mm -hmm.
1: it now we had alex uh formenton on the uh show on sunday and he was He was all hunk. I kind of, I said, you're hunkered down and staying safe, but he was hunkered down and, um, you know, obviously (laughs) there was something afoot. And you're right. Like, I think, Andrew, what's, you know, what's really happening here is like, there's, if this keeps going the way it's going, Um, games are going to be postponed. And I'm sure a lot of people are saying like, why wasn't the Ottawa game postponed? Um, What's it going to take to actually postpone a game? Like how much of a team has to be sidelined? Uh, It's kind of insane, I think to me, but there's going to be a cumulative effect. And, and Mike, yeah. Like the reality of COVID is you can be vaccinated and you can still get it and you never know if you're one of the ones who's who's gonna suffer um some real long-term implications so i i think on the broadcast tonight um somebody just said you know maybe this can serve as a wake up call to the nhl generally that they like you say mike the the rigidity like their hat the the protocols like everything's been getting kind of loosey-goosey it seems and Obviously, different jurisdictions have different rules. Different teams have different rules. Remasking or not masking, blah blah blah. Um, but the league might have to step in and say, like, in the interest of all of our players and this entire league, like, some some structure is going to have to come back.
2: Yeah. yeah, I would I would be shocked if we're not going to see it probably around like Christmas or something like that. But maybe I'm just kind of talking out of my butt here. I'm just it's hard. It's like, I really enjoy hockey being back. Like, and I enjoy like the broadcasts kind of returning normal. Like it's been really satiating just in terms of, again, like you we were saying, like normalcy and in kind of pursuing something that we haven't experienced in a long time. Um, but it's like always in the back of my mind is, uh you know, how long do we get to enjoy the NHL, you know, for better or for worse of what's gone on this season, you know, across the league. Um, but in particular with like, the COVID situation, it's, yeah, like, I look at it and I look at like the impact of like long haul syndrome on a lot of players. Um, like the Oilers in particular, like, I live here at Edmonton. It was a big story for quite a while. with Like Alex yeah. Daylock and now Josh Arch- Archbold, and very in various circumstances playing into that. Um, I think like, I don't know, but you guys like, but I'd say over like the last year and a half, um, my perspective as like a fan is maybe is like a you know, pseudo analyst in my spare time. Outside my day job is like, uh, I've become much more uh, sympathetic and empathetic to the, the player life and the player experience. Um, not just like for the obvious reasons, but like the NHL in terms of like CTE and concussions and addiction issues and the whole gambit, but like specifically with like moving forward with pro sports and how we can provide, um, it's like the most acceptable environments for them to kind of go out their livelihood and and take care of themselves and, and also like enjoy themselves in, in their career. So it's, it's a mixed bag, um, but I think you know with Ottawa in particular, it's just like you know we're we're at the precipice of something happening, hopefully, and who knows what's going to happen. but I'm optimistic that maybe they can write the ship and you know this their situation will kind of resolve itself hopefully with like their, the right approaches, and then maybe there's something we can learn from it, like in these circumstances and these outbreaks, like maybe there's something that can be discovered, and you know maybe it's like a, a behavioral change with how they go about, um, handling things off the ice and, or on the ice and, you know, there's a, there's still a lot to learn, frankly.
0: Yeah. And the nice thing is now we do have the benefit of, as far as we know, everyone is vaccinated outside of Tyler Bertuzzi. So even if you do get it, there's like a very small chance that it develops in the same way as if you're unvaccinated, right? So there's less of a risk factor that way. And it seems to me that, uh, you don't have to necessarily be out for 14 days if you get it right. Like you can test negative relatively quickly once vaccinated. So it's, there's good news still. Uh, and speaking of good news, there's a couple Canadians fans in the comments saying that we should bring up that the Canadians, fan, the Canadians are no longer in eighth place in the Atlantic <laughs> division. They hop the Ottawa senators tonight. Now Ottawa has two games in hand, but I think they've lost six straight. So not looking good for the Ottawa senators so far this season after, you know, I, I think everyone kind of thought that they were going to be a lot better than they are this year after they tore it up at the end of last year, once they were out of the playoff spot. But I think teams often catch people off guard when they're way out of a playoff spot and there's no more pressure. So the guys just play super loose and everyone's like, Oh man, this team's going to be so great next year. And then it just flops. So unfortunate reality for Ottawa, but <laughs> That plus the COVID situation and injuries—it's—it's yeah. it's a lot to overcome. Um, regarding Montreal, they've got uh, a tougher schedule going forward than what they've faced so far. But they are going to get Carey Price back eventually. I feel like at last broadcast, somehow we didn't mention Carey Price at all, despite him being cleared. Uh, we should mention him tonight. He came out with a statement talking about why he was in the player assistance program and it kind of like it kind of got leaked not necessarily leaked but the cat was left out of the bag let out of the bag when uh, Dominic Ducharme in a press conference said that the they hadn't talked to Carey Price because he wasn't allowed to talk to people outside of the program which as far as i know m- most mental health programs don't necessarily close you off, right? So people started to speculate about what was, go- what was going on. I don't know if Price would have released why he was in the program if the, that speculation hadn't started, but I do think that Price opening up about it will help a lot of people down the line.
1: I, I, you're absolutely right, and I think... Um, yeah, I mean, he's had such a, a heavy burden a heavy load I mean on top of (laughs) you know being in one of the most wonderful but most difficult hockey markets um in North America um being a goaltender which in itself is you know the, the spotlight and it's sink or swim and there's so so much blame to shoulder um and then you know his First Nations um heritage and everything that's happened over the last year and and that being you know he he having his own reckoning with that and then the media's relative insensitivity and, and throwing that at him and sort of re-traumatizing him and um you know and lord knows what else right but uh so he's had to shoulder a lot but he has this quality as we all know he's like a. He's sort of like this Buddha. Um, He's just got this sort of serenity. And obviously that's not what's happening inside. But I I think, honestly, I think he would have said, um, I think he would have talked about being in in the addictions program, even if the cat hadn't been let out of the bag. I feel like he knows it's his lot in life to lead by example. and, And he knows, I think, how many people this has helped and will help and, um, how in particular, you know, the culture of, of sport doesn't allow men to, uh, admit to these weaknesses. Um, so he's, he's incredible and and seeing how much support he has received from the greater community and, and the fans that it's nice.
2: Yeah. I, as somebody like, I've, I've had some family members struggle with like addiction. I think, it, I mean, it touches everybody. I, I don't think you can really encounter anybody in your personal life who hasn't been impacted. But um, I think I didn't get a chance to bookmark it or fave it just because I like, get rolled through my Twitter timeline so quickly. But I saw like a few tweets getting shared where like Carrie Price opening up and talking about things uh, helped them kind of like reconcile, you know, some demons or I guess problems or opportunities in their life that they're working through. And I think. Obviously, like when you you put athletes like such as Carey Price, he's, you know, he's been kind of like a figurehead is like one of the top goalies of his generation. And he's, you know, done everything at the national level and he's done done so many things like Tara said about, like you know, locally and, and across Canada for indigenous rights and attention on those su- specific subjects. Um, everybody kind of starts reassessing, you know, what's going on. You know, maybe they start noticing things in their personal life with their friends or family. Maybe there's like, the signs there. And it opens up that really positive conversation. Hopefully it's positive. Sometimes those conversations aren't always the easiest ones to have. And then it's, you know, a ripple effect, right? Like we talk about athletes, you know, and using their platforms for good. And I don't think that there's anything more important right now outside of, um, you know, the the gambit of things that Carrie Price has been associated with than, you know, saying, Hey, like working through some stuff, my family needs help, you know, supporting me or I need help supporting myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody else in their local communities, um, you know, takes that message to heart and does something where players across the league, which I think is super important given, you know, serious addiction issues and, and stories that have came out over the last couple of years with regards to pills. And, you know, I think about the Ryan Kessler story that TSN did, uh, it was like last year a couple of years ago, and he was talking about how he's being fed pills and it was unhealthy and it led to a lot of problems and I don't really care what the specifics are about carry prices situation is I just look at it and I'm like, man, I watched this guy do everything on the ice. And now he's, he's taking on like his biggest challenge. And it's really inspirational because, you know, these are lessons that I think everybody doesn't matter how old you are, you know, your background, sexual identity, you know, everything like that. You can look at that situation and be positively reinforced. Um, And then when he comes back, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's this year, maybe it's next year. Who knows? It doesn't really matter so long as that he's happy and healthy and, you know, his family's supported. But it's a really great story. Um, Not that it should distract from anything that's going on in the league right now, but it's like, it's something that we can all rally around as fans of the game and say like, man, this is great. He's back. He's happy. He's healthy. Maybe he's a catalyst for the the Habs at any point to go on a run. And then everybody starts rallying around him. And I don't know. It's just great. It's, uh, it's, I don't want to say like, it's much needed for the game, like people opening up and having these issues, but like the impact of just being able to discuss it is super awesome.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. it is much needed for the game because I think, you know, we all know hockey, hockey culture is like, has traditionally been one of playing through injury and being lauded and being silent through, too,
0: when you're yeah, struggling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so playing through any, doing whatever it takes and that's strength. And so I think that, um, Carrie price is breaking that, that mold. And I think it's really important.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to clarify. I, I just didn't want like more players that issues, and like the perfect circumstance. Yes, totally. Everybody is thriving and there's good vibes, but yeah, it's, it's super good to see. Yeah.
0: I mean, in, I mean, obviously as things have, unfolded over the last calendar year or so. Like there's been some dark stories coming out of this league. And I mean, big ups to you, Tara for actually bringing that up on the broadcast the other week. That was like your little two minute succinct speech on hockey culture's toxicity and what needs to change. I can't believe that you packed that into two minutes and said it so well, <laughs> it was such a good little soundbite that went around Twitter and social media there the next day. It, I like really, really props for that because you nailed it on the head
1: well thank you i mean i you know i've really i I obviously had ideas plotted in my brain um i didn't exactly know how i was going to execute it i just certainly wasn't going to like memorize a monologue um and was i i think all the thoughts that i had kind of gelled after i saw gary bettman's press conference that kind of just that did it for me um but i'm really grateful that i have the platform i do i recognize the privilege inherent in my position and i have a a crew and a team and a co-host who um i I said i'm gonna say some stuff (laughs) (laughs) and they're like okay and buckle uh, in yeah and nobody asked me you know nobody vetted my my thoughts um nobody asked to see like a draft uh, and I was I was supported by the network also. And I know not everybody agrees with what I said. I know not everybody agrees with me saying what I said on that platform. Uh, but overwhelmingly, I, I really just think I was voicing what a lot of fans and, and people in the media, but I think in particular fans, have been feeling so disheartened and disillusioned about. And it, the tipping point, I mean... This has to be the tipping point. Like how, you know, if, if the suffering of Kyle Beach and on and on and on and John Doe too, like if it's to be worth anything, this has to precipitate change. Absolutely. Um, but I think there are a lot of exasperated fans out there. So I'm, I'm just one of them, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think in a way, like hometown hockey is the perfect outlet for it, because that's a show that's very much about the positives of hockey and the familial relationship of the sport and how like it is very much a small world. You know, it is like a small town Mm -hmm. hockey in itself. Right. So I think that as much as it's a sad and enraging and sickening story, it's bringing that up and pushing for that change. I feel like that, that is, there's no better place for that than hometown hockey. You know, like that is, you have to have some difficult conversations and I just thought that it was perfect. I really did. And we won't get too much more into the Blackhawks stuff because I know like people are, it it is a bummer, (laughs) you know, and It's it's, it's a lot. And I know we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about it on this show before and It's a win for the Canadians. Canadians probably just don't want to spend the whole time talking about how awful the Blackhawks handled that situation and continue to awful, awfully handle that situation in regards to John Doe too. But uh, yeah, uh, we had another question, which was how did we feel about Ryan Paling tonight? I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't notice Ryan Paling a lot. He only played seven minutes, so he wasn't given much of a chance. Uh, I did notice Michael Pozzetta and Alex Belzeal a lot in this game, though. And I know they're not, like, hot-name prospects by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought that they brought a lot, and they've continued to do that over the last couple of games. A lot of energy, a lot of pace, and some good reads throughout the game. I
2: don't well, know who any year. of those players are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get are, that. I mean, they're like are they AHL veteran. Well, Pazetta is a draft pick, a seventh round draft pick from a couple years ago, but Belzeal is like an AHL veteran who once in a while, the Canadians call up. And for some reason he just like is really good and, but not quite good enough to stick in the NHL for some reason. Like he was, always seems to do his the job. guy who
2: drew the call on Lucic, yes. or, okay, that guy, I didn't like that moment, but I, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure I know that I saw like a bunch of Habs fans on Twitter, be like, why is this guy coming up? But like, he's, he's got a really neat sounding last name maybe he's like a fighter or something I don't, I don't know <laughs> admittedly like I know nothing about the Habs other than like Carey Price Brendan Gallagher's bald spot um <laughs> and, and Nick Suzuki who a completely undressed Jacob Markstrom player. those are the only, only players I know about so like <laughs> I was like he appeared like on the on like my monitor during the scrum I'm like who is that gentleman what is he doing why is he making a scene here and then he was in the penalty box and it was like oh that
0: was quick, but
1: <laughs> I felt the same as you, though. I, I didn't notice Paling too much, so I think uh need to see more time on ice.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely needs a, a bit of a better chance. I, I think the guy that I noticed even less than Paling, though, was Christian Dvorak, who Likewise. has not really had a great start to the season. I mean, it's not really fair to say that about any single Montreal Canadian right now because the whole team hasn't had that great of a start to the season, but Christian Dvorak has not exactly been the solid two way player that the Canadians thought they were getting. He's he was at the beginning of the season, like unspectacular, but solid. And now it's just like he wins face offs, but then his line just gets dummy. They were actually, I think the only Canadians line that were in the negatives in terms of shot attempts tonight. And they were like really in the negatives
2: when it comes to him. I was kind of curious about that trade because he comes from like a market that you know, with a roster, like in Arizona, nothing really special about it other than like a bunch of folks that get dumped there for cap reasons. And I was kind of curious to see how he would fit in with the approach there with the Habs. Is is he just like a player that stylistically doesn't fit with like the, the, the approach to the game? Cause like, the, I feel like the Habs really, and you correct me at any point, but like they play, they try to play as North to South as possible given like they've got guys like Nick Suzuki, obviously, and, and Brendan Gallagher, who's just like a wrecking ball. And then Even guys like Joel Armia, like I've noticed in years past, like very kind of North to South approach doesn't really play like East West, but like, is it just like stylistically and systemically that he's not fitting in and and getting the results that you would expect? Or is it just, you know, he's not the player that was
0: advertised at all. I I think he actually fits stylistically pretty well because the Canadians seem to like guys like Dvorak, who at, at the beginning of the year, he was really solid defensively and his line was like, outplaying teams in terms of, like, shot attempts and expected goals, but, like, nothing spectacular offensively. Like, he doesn't have a lot of creativity, but he's got, like, a little bit of speed off the rush so he can join in, especially when, like, Josh Anderson kind of breaks down the wing and does his, like, Josh Anderson thing, the the power move that he does almost every single time he has the puck. And Dvorak was kind of joining those rushes at the beginning of the year, and it's just been happening a little bit less. I know he is a little bit banged up right now, but that line, since jo- Jonathan Druen got injured has just been really brutal. And it kind of makes you realize like, I think Dvorak has a void in his game in terms of playmaking, he kind of just like goes to the net, goes back, goes to the net, goes back, which is the same thing that Anderson does in a lot of ways, just coming in from the wing. And Drouin was kind of the straw that stirred the drink and without him, it's just, it doesn't work. Hmm. So I
2: shouldn't pick him up in fantasy is what
0: you're saying. <laughs> I wouldn't do that right now. No.
1: Sounds ill-advised. <laughs> I
0: don't, I, I for- don't even I play I play forgot that he movie. played for
1: them. Honestly, I, <laughs> forgot
0: I honestly, halfway that. through the game, I thought that he was uh, a scratch because like, he was banged up. And I thought maybe Paling was on his line because I hadn't heard his name. I wasn't specifically watching for him. So bad night for Christian Dvorak. Ryan Paling just didn't get much ice time. Other than that, I would say like Brendan Gallagher had one of his better games this year. I thought he was uh, fiery all game long. I like Tyler Toffoli's game tonight. I actually thought it might have been uh, Alex Romanov's best game of the year tonight. He still he's had chippy. some, yeah, he was very chippy, going for the big hits. He's been doing that a lot lately. He still had some really terrible reads in his own zone, but that's kind of who he is. Do you? see him being like living up to his draft
2: hype or do no. you feel like there's like, no, oh, that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. I mean, there wasn't really that much hype around him at the draft, right? He was a huge reach by the Canadians. He was like unranked or something in the second round. Ooh. And then the Canadians themselves kind of hyped him up as he was coming over from Russia as like the next big thing. And they're like, oh, we found this diamond in the rough. Nobody knew about him. And he... Doesn't have a lot offensively. He just like every time he goes in offensively, you know, he's just going to shoot. And most of the time it goes into a shin pad and, uh, and defensively, he's not like a puck mover to exit the zone. He's a big hitter, but like, how much is that valuable in today's game? And like man to man, he's not a great defender either. So he's not good at like stopping guys off the cycle. It's like, if he can't line you up as you're entering the zone, he gets kind of lost and he doesn't transition the puck well either. So to me, I look at him, and I'm like, where's the upside coming from? And, you know, he could shut me up at any moment and develop a lot of areas of his game, he's got a level of talent. That's obviously there, but the decision-making isn't great. Although I just, I thought he had a really good night tonight.
1: But there was, Watch. I mean, there was a period of, of big hype yes. last, last year. Yeah, the Canadians were
0: like the ones to hype him up. Like they were letting it known, be known to the media. Like this kid's great, and they never do that. So everyone was super confused as to why they were doing that. And then (laughs) he had a good like first couple games, and then just didn't really do much the rest of the year.
2: He's gonna prove you wrong. Like next week, it's gonna happen, and you're gonna be sitting here and be like, "Why did I say that about Alex Romanov?" And then everybody's gonna be
0: in your mentions about it. That's all right. I'm all for that. I love being proven wrong. It's one of my favorite things is when I say something about a player and they completely change things and start like kicking ass or I guess not my favorite things. If I say they're great and they start sucking, but, uh, I'm all for any player having a career year because it's always fun. All right. We'll probably, uh, wrap it up here. Cause I'm losing energy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm I gotta like, put my go. kid to
1: bed. She's yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Forever. Yeah,
0: and uh, I'm like a little bit under the weather, so I gotta save up my energy for the hot ones challenge this weekend that I'm doing oh, it with Julian yeah. McKenzie.
1: So how are you? How, like, how many hot sauces are you going to?
0: It's ten. So ten wings each. Yeah. It goes all the way through the gauntlet. The only thing is, we don't have the one that they have uh, at at the show. Da bomb. The the one they sell from their right. website. Isn't the same. It's called uh, de Bomb Evolution and apparently it's not quite as bad because that specific hot sauce is the only one on their lineup that uses pepper extract instead of just actual peppers and that's supposed to be, it's not even that it's way hotter it's just that it's super disgusting <laughs> and that's like that combined with the heat is what actually like gets people when they eat it so this one apparently is much more tasty and I'm I'm looking forward to that but it's going to be you. a fun one.
1: I so this, I'll, I'll make this quick because we're all tired. But I, when I worked on breakfast television in Calgary, they had this ghost pepper burger that they brought in for the Calgary Stampede. And so, you know, morning shows its like, OK, we're going to bring in and see if anybody can eat it. Our weather guy, Andrew Schultz, was like, I love hot stuff. And he just like starts eating. He gets through about half of it. And I guess, you know, pepper sometimes doesn't hit you. Well, we lost him for the show. I mean, he just, we didn't, we didn't see him again. I did weather for the first time in my life and, um, just be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worried saying. about the next milk. day.
0: Cause I think there's actually a game on Sunday as well. I'm doing Saturday and Sunday. So we'll see, we'll see how under the weather I am for that one, but
1: like milk.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of getting like a couple of yops or something and doing like the heavy yeah. cream yogurt just to help us out. But yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, before we close it out, uh, first Tara, then Mike, tell us what you got going on. Where should we be paying attention to follow your work?
1: Well, um, I'm on, you know, all the media except for TikTok. Um, (laughs) I'm on Twitter, Instagram, everything, uh, at Tara Sloan, T-A-R-A-S-L-O-N-E. There's no A in my last name. Um, Rogers Hometown Hockey airs Monday nights on Sportsnet. Um, we're off as we discussed this Monday because Sudbury has had to be postponed. But fingers crossed we make it to Tilsonburg uh, the weekend after and every weekend till the end of the regular season.
0: Awesome.
2: Uh, you can find me at the Scorch Deck, the premier Calgary Flames newsletter that is rising through the ranks of the Internet. We do things like investigate claims against Andrew Manjupani being uh, an evil hockey player in Barrie where he makes children work super late because he scores too many points. It's a real thing. Uh, there, there's a, there, I'll, I'll go through this really quickly. So there was a video that made the rounds late last week or earlier this week and about a guy talking about how Andrew Manjupani would score a bunch of points. And there was a promotion with the Barrie Colts where if they scored like five goals in a game everybody gets a bunch of free wings so everybody went to the like the wings the wing shop after the game and he essentially blamed Andrew Manjupani for it we investigated it oh,
0: there's actually
2: a legitimate case before this so great player at the NHL level but maybe a little bit uh, evil when it comes to scoring a bunch of points and making children stay past midnight making <laughs> wings and then missing math tests it's incredible uh, you know good. we've been doing this we have a we're we're launching a video platform. Uh, we write about the Flames. We talk about the Flames. We just want to have
0: a good time. So you can find me at the Scorch Stack. And I, I have to say I agree that the Scorch Stack is the premium Calgary Flames content. Yes, it is amazing. It truly is. It's a group of people that you couldn't find anywhere else. I don't know if any team has anything that compares to it. It is incredible amounts of fun. And I mean anything that's named after Scorch. Who, if you don't know the story go find the story. It is the craziest turnaround of a team announcing a mascot and then killing the mascot in the same day. It's uh it's something the Adirondack flames. You got to look uh, it you up. Know, don't know it. Yeah, oh, you know don't that. know it. Okay. We got to tell Seriously. the story before we go. If Tara doesn't Ooh. know it. Okay. I don't know it. So the, this is so good. The flames used to have a, or they had, when they moved to Adirondack, their a- AHL farm club, Adirondack had a fire years and years ago that a bunch of firefighters died in and for whatever reason the Adirondack flames went insane and said that they were going to name their mascot Scorch and that he was the like eternal flame that killed those firefighters so mm-hmm. they announced this <laughs> this mascot <laughs> with a video and it was like him with firefighters and then there was a cut and then the firefighters were like dead on the ground and the mascot was like dancing <laughs> It's incredible. <laughs> it is,
1: does that exist? Still? It, it
0: still oh, exists. Yeah. yeah, you can find it. And literally the same day, the team was like, "Yeah, we're we're not going to do that mascot because there's a huge backlash from people but like, why are you like promoting killing firefighters with an AHL team's mascot?" And uh, I believe, based on what we know, the Flames still have that mascot costume. And I plan to help the Scorch Tack. Try to gr- get some sort of GoFundMe going to buy that costume because Whew. that mascot
2: must live. So I just have a g- brief update on this because we talked about it a couple days ago. Uh, apparently, Stockton might be changing their mascot to Scorch. That's <sighs> like the new. then a new thing because of the new. Um, like Seattle's affiliate is going to be getting like the Firebirds or something like that. It's yeah, really cool. But the apparently, Coachella Scorch the
1: Firebirds. I think. Yes.
2: So they're going to bring back Scorch potentially, which means there's going to be mass firefighter protests everywhere because they can't <laughs> let Scorch walk the, walk the earth anymore.
1: Also, California has a lot of fires. It seems. That too. It seems very like in bad taste still.
0: Yes. Very bad taste. But you got to hand it to a team for doing something completely psycho that <laughs> makes no sense. And I think it's even crazier than Gritty. Like it, it almost set the table for Gritty
1: count gritty there's nothing bad about gritty
2: a scorch walked uh, so gritty could run that's usually what happens <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right thank you so much to tara and mike for coming on the show tonight It was a lot of fun and uh hopefully we get to do it again soon i will see you all saturday for pain pain with julian mckenzie
1: black